you know the vibes. We're back with another episode. It's your boy Mo, aka the Hoop Genius, alongside the one and only Mr. BJ Armstrong. BJ, how are you doing this evening? Yup, yup. It's all good. It's all good. Hey. Brooklyn next. The big three showed up. They showed mm. up in the building. They showed up in the shot. Big time. The top two teams in the East went head to head, and two struggling teams in the West went head to head. You know, we've been talking about the Sacramento Kings recently on this podcast, and. And it looks like we kind of sent them some good vibes because they came up with a big win against the Los Angeles Lakers around the league last night for you guys. The Boston Celtics took another one. Tame and Brown both went off at the same time. The Washington Wizards took the win against the Magic. The Miami Ooh. Heat beat the Hawks. The Knicks held it down with the home court advantage at Madison Square Garden Ooh. against the Dallas Mavericks. Houston came away with a four-point win against the Spurs. Cavs, the Cavs beat the Jazz. The Jazz really need Rudy Gobert back in at that lineup. Home, at mm-hmm. home. They need what? What'd you say, Mo? Did you say it one more time? They, they need, need Baguette Biombo back in the lineup <laughs> because their defense is shocking without him. And of course, the Charlotte Hornets overcame the Philadelphia 76ers. So we need to start off by talking about the Philadelphia 76ers because I feel like that's a big reason why. A lot of people will be tuned in today. I yes. put out a tweet last night yes. about a certain Mr. Ben Simmons of the Philadelphia 76ers. I said that his preferred teams in the West are Dallas and Golden State. And he realizes that Golden State is highly unlikely and fears that the Sixers might not trade him because of their extremely high asking price. And a lot of fans start going crazy at this, especially Dallas Mavericks fans. I just got to clear one thing up for you guys. Where he wants to be playing, reportedly, has nothing to do with where he's going to end up. He could say he wants to play basketball on the moon, and that does not mean Daryl Morey and the Philadelphia 76ers are going to trade him to the moon. That's just him talking. You know what I'm saying? According to sources. But let's play the hypothetical game, BJ. If Ben Simmons was to end up with the Dallas Mavericks, how do you like the fit of him being over there with Luka Doncic? Doesn't make sense to me because Luka Doncic has the ball 90% of the time. Luka Doncic is a point guard. He's an elite point guard. I know he's six, what, eight, six, nine. He's a walking triple double. And you need to surround him with scores and defensive players. Now, on paper, you'll say Ben Simmons is a defensive player. However, Ben Simmons currently, as we're speaking here today, has a huge deficiency in his game, which is shooting. So that fit with Luka Doncic at this juncture of his career, to me, is not a good fit because Ben Simmons also needs the ball to be effective. He's a 6'10 point guard. And I don't see anytime soon any coach, Coach Kidd included, that's going to take the ball out of Luka Doncic's hand to place it in another point guard's hand Mm -hmm. to say, go create for him. So I don't see that being a good fit. But, you know, I've seen stranger things, but currently, I don't see it. Now, there will be some Coaches, there will be some executives that say that good players will always figure it out. Without question, you're talking about very talented players. Ben Simmons is a very talented player. 
Luka Doncic obviously is a very talented player. But overall, I don't see this being a championship fit as those two players, you know, are trying to figure out where they're at right now in their careers, especially Ben Simmons. I completely hear what you're saying. This confused me as well. That's why when I heard it, when I was told this, I was very, very surprised. You know, on the defensive end, though, it would definitely be an upgrade over what the Dallas Mavericks currently have. The one case that could be made would be it could potentially help Luka Doncic to not have the ball in his hands 90% of the well, time. Yeah, yes. Oh, well, I, I'm, I'm saying I do know. And yeah. I'm saying I do know because I feel strongly about this one. Luka Doncic is a top five, let's say top seven player in the mm. NBA. Okay? You don't ask a superstar player to change his position. He's a superstar. So I'm going to go to Akeem and say, you know what? Akeem Olajuwon and say, I'm going to play you at the power forward because we just got this new guy on the team. No. I'm going to take Magic Johnson and say, hey, I just got this guard and I'm going to. No. <laughs> Luka Doncic is a star. He's a star. I'm not saying he's not. I'm not saying he's not. I'm just saying what I'm hearing. That's what I'm saying. Okay. It yeah, don't make well. sense to me either. But I just wanted to say that Dallas fans don't get hopes up because it's not like the teams are discussing a trade. It's just it would be nice to play here or I'd prefer to play here if I was going to leave. So that's that. I don't know why everyone got so excited because we said it on the podcast the other day and it weren't big news, but I guess when you put something on, on Twitter, it becomes much bigger news. Um, shout out to everyone who's asking who the hell I am. You'll learn soon. Don't worry about that. <laughs> but what else I'm hearing around the league is the Lakers continue to be rubbish. Maybe that's a bit harsh. But yeah, last that, night, that's really harsh. But last on, night, we, we appreciate here. We appreciate okay, we, here. We, we appreciate. Just, they lost to the Kings. They lost to the 17 and 27 Kings. So maybe it's harsh, but maybe it's also true. Because that third quarter last night, that weren't a good look for LA. And you know me, I'm one of Russell Westbrook's biggest defenders in the media when it comes to people criticizing him. But his last three games, he's shooting 20%. Maybe it's time to coach the staff, figure out their rotations, and maybe bench him down the stretch if it's not helping their team's agenda. What are your thoughts on the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, the Lakers have a lot of problems. And their main problem right now is health and getting Mr. Anthony Davis back in the lineup. That's a start. You know, Mo, age, you know, it, 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 it's, it really it sucks, Mo, when you start getting old because you can't do the things that your mind is saying it wants to do. And every player goes through this as they begin to age. And the really good players, Mo, they age gracefully. They change their game. And at 31, 32, 33 is when all guards have to change their game. 
Some due to injury have to do it sooner than others. But if you are an athlete, because when you come into the league, Mo, we all have a little speed and quickness, some <laughs> more than others. Mm-hmm. But as you age, Mo, you have to change your game. Now, Russell right now is in a new situation, a new team. For the first time, he's not the primary ball handler. For the first time, you know, I think he's always, I don't think he's ever conceded to not being the best player on the team. I respect it. I don't think that, I respect it. I respect that. But he's always showed up and played. Now, the one thing is about Russell, and I want to make this clear here now, is Russell Westbrook, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think he's missed the game this year. I don't think so. Okay. I respect that, Mo. Mo, I respect that. Now, he hasn't always shot well tonight. He hasn't shot well. He hasn't always played well. Okay, he hasn't played well. But it's really tough, Mo, when you get traded to a new team and he is in a role he's never been in before. He's not the primary guy. And on top of that, Mo, he's not the same athlete he was three, four, five years ago. So there's a lot of things going on with him that it's going to take some time. But to his credit, Mo, he's he's showed up and he's played and he has not. He One thing about Russell we must acknowledge here, he's never backed away from a challenge. And I, and I respect that. I respect that. Yep. So now, now let's talk about what he's going to tonight. What is he, two for 14? Yep. Clearly they need him to play a bigger role in the absence of Anthony Davis. Carmelo didn't play tonight and he didn't do it. But Mo, I watched this game and they still had a chance to win. They had a chance to win this game late. So yeah, he's not playing like that, Russell. But he's still showing up. He's still playing. And if there's one thing, if Russell were to ask me, I would say, Russell, I think now at this stage of your career, at this stage, you're going to have to change your game. Because his game was built on athleticism, and he could overwhelm you with his speed, with his quickness, with his ability to jump and dunk and do all those things. And now, Mo, that's just not this. Yeah. Maybe he can only do it 50% of the time now. But certainly that Russell that we've become accustomed to that was just an elite athlete at the point guard position, that Russell is not there. Now he's going to have to, he's going to have to sprinkle some sauce around that. You know, mm-hmm. he's got a, you know, a pull-up, a floater, a runner. <laughs> hey. I mean, he's, he's trying to pull up. So it just ain't Yeah, 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 like, yeah. But, 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 well, but, just, you know, to his credit, you know, because fans have been saying a lot about him. His shooting percentage is up on last year. It's, it's above his career average. And his turnovers are around his career average, and they're down on last year, too. He's still putting up 19, 8, and 8 a game. But come on. Come I, I feel on. like he gets scapegoated a lot because I see videos of people be on the internet making compilations of all the shots he misses in the game. I don't see them do that for any other player. So I, I well, agree. I, 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 I just think Russell, listen, you know, I'm, I'm such a Russell fan. You know, it. this is always hard to do because when you really like, you really, I don't like Russell. I love Russell Westbrook. 
because he shows up and he plays and he competes. It's really hard to criticize someone when you know they're giving you their absolute best. He's not ducking the action. He's not ducking the games. He lays it out on the line every single night. Now, if there's one thing th that I see that he can improve, maybe he can improve some decision-making decisions to take care, better care of the ball. Because he's in a unique situation right now because they need him to score, assist, and rebound and do everything because he is without question the second primary ball handler on this team because LeBron is the primary ball handler and then Russell must fill in the gaps. And because LeBron is going to have turnovers because he, you know, he's doing his thing. Now that puts a lot more stress on Russell because Russell feels that he has to do something. And you can see he's trying to do something and create something because right now this team hasn't found its rhythm because I think, when they put together this team, Anthony Davis was going to be the primary focus and ball handler and get all the touches on the offensive vent. And suddenly Anthony Davis has not been that player and he's been hurt. So hopefully they will figure it out. But like you said, Mo, when you say those numbers, 19, eight and eight, like how do you criticize those numbers? That's hard to criticize Mo. Thanks. 19, eight and eight. Thanks. So, you know, we can, we can, he's easy, but at the same time, Mo, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying into that narrative. I just nope. think Russell has to figure out this next phase of his career because every athlete has been there and every athlete, when they get there, you know, do you, you know, when Carmelo first got traded, it wasn't like Carmelo said, Hey, I, I'm accepting coming off the bench. So to see Carmelo now accept coming off the bench and his role and where he's at, it's a beautiful thing, but it takes time. So yeah. I'm going to allow Russell to figure out who Russell's going to be at this next stage of his career. What do you think about more back to the basket stuff for Westbrook? You know, when he's got I, I smaller guards so. on him, do you not think that that's a move that he could look to go I to? I, I don't think so because you, today's game, you got you to have two things. You have to have elite shot blocking ability. So if you had an elite shot, if you are playing with an elite shot blocker, a la your favorite player, Rudy Gobert, you can't ask Rudy Gobert to become a three-point shooter. Mm. That's why they were playing LeBron James at the five. Because they're experimenting with trying to figure out how to hold this thing down until Anthony Davis comes back. I think what Russell has to do is what every guard has to do. And in particular, in particular, as you age at one time, Mo, when I was a younger player, I would drive to the basket because I knew I could probably finish or shoot my float or shoot my runner. As I age, Mo, I drove the basket, hoping that someone would come so I can pass it <laughs> <laughs> because I wasn't as fast. I wasn't as explosive. So I had to change my thought when I was driving to the basket. Okay. Russell has always been able to do what? Finish Dun over dunk the on top. anyone. Anyone. Okay. He's not that same athlete. Maybe some nights he is, but consistently the one that was just doing left-hand dunks, right-hand dunks, two-hand dunks, and all those things, he's not that athlete. He's not that young Russell Westbrook straight out of UCLA. So I think... 
something that could really help Russell is the following is really work on that in-between game because there isn't a, all of us guards. Okay. Especially the ones who never had the athleticism. And this is what made, this is what made Derrick Rose so tough to guard because he was an explosive athlete who had an in-between game mm-hmm. because I, 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 I stayed on him about, you have to have a floater and a runner. And he had an, he's got one of the best floaters right now. That's yep. his game. Yep. Ja Morant. Ja Morant is tough because he'll dunk over you. He'll dunk around you. And he's got a floater and a runner. Kyrie is, he's special with it. So I think Russell would benefit from just doing, instead of trying to speed up, just slow down and work on your floater and your runner and let the game slow down because he is getting 19, eight and eight. And you, he could easily get 25 if he just slows down. Yeah. If he just slows down, he could get 25 points a game because he doesn't have to work as hard playing with LeBron, but I think he's got to figure out how to play this new game. And he's, He's without question good enough to do it. He's a great kid. He's a hard worker. And I think they'll figure it out as time goes on. I really think he will figure it out. Now, does that mean they will win more games? That's to be seen. But I think he'll figure it out. Well, speaking of figuring it out, the Brooklyn Nets now 13-3 and when that big three played together. The head of the Eastern Conference, the Chicago Bulls, hosted the Brooklyn Nets last night. And Brooklyn came out of the United Center with a W. We had a question coming from one of our viewers. Lyndon Taylor said he wanted to know what the floor is in the Nets offense. Joe Harris being out obviously doesn't help, but they shouldn't be losing to teams like Portland. And, well, you know, I, I don't know if we still need to discuss that because they really bounced back. They put up almost 140 points on the Chicago Bulls who have been playing excellent basketball this season. And, you know, Kevin Durant, as efficient as ever, had 27. He was shooting 70% from the field. James Harden, 25. And Kyrie Irving struggled with just nine points, four from 10. But it's going to take some time for him to get integrated. But the beauty of this Brooklyn Nets team is, even if Kyrie Irving's struggling, Paddy Mills comes off the bench with 21. So my question to you is, first of all, from the Brooklyn side, what are you seeing? Because, of course, there was the news yesterday that Kyrie can play home games. The Brooklyn Nets just have to pay a five-grand fine every time he does. If you're owned by a billionaire owner, I think that's a small price to pay. And then on the other side of things, the Chicago Bulls, everyone's asking whether or not they're serious contenders or just playing great in a regular season. I think this game was kind of a, a good litmus test for them. And I think it's a real wake-up call for them if they're going to need to pull things together for a playoff run. What were your thoughts on last night's game? Great win for the Brooklyn Nets. I was, I wasn't as impressed with Brooklyn as I was. I was disappointed in the, the outcome of the game by the Chicago Bulls because the Chicago Bulls has been a feel-good story all season. They are currently ranked, or have the best record in the Eastern Conference, and to lose, and be down by thirty points at home, in a game where you can really make a statement that it's not a fluke. We're here. We're going to be tough as we, you know, start to pass the midway point in the, in the regular season. And to, for them really to drop an egg at home and lose in this 
fashion. Now you're saying, okay, are they just, are they just playing? Are they really playing above or playing better than anticipated? Are they overachieving or is Brooklyn just that much better than them? Cause that was, this was one of those games where you supposed to let everybody know we're for real. Now, Give Brooklyn credit. They came at, out at home as well, by the way. Yeah. As at I'm saying, in front of your crowd, in front of your crowd, the crowd was fired up. I watched the game. Brooklyn came out and wanted to make a statement. Now the, the memo was received. We are better than you, Chicago. You know, we're better than you and you can't match up with us. Now you lose at 30 at home. I don't know how many more adjustments you can do. Okay. Cause Kyrie only had eight points or nine how, points. How much of that is a, is a mental edge? You know, when you beat a team that badly in the regular it's a, it's season, a huge, if you it's see a huge, them in the playoffs. It's a huge edge. That's a huge edge. That's a huge edge. That's a huge edge. Now, you got to come out and do the work, but you have the confidence to know we can beat you at home. And then that also gives you the confidence to say we should really beat you when we go home. So I think the Bulls right now are in a – tricky situation a tough situation because now i think the other teams are going to see this and go oh they're not as good as they say they are so that's what i think the other teams are going to say so you know they they lose to dallas they come back and they beat the pistons by 30 some points and then they lose to brooklyn by 30 at home and that was that wasn't like a game like oh you know somebody snuck up on them no, this was a team where that game was circled. That game was on ESPN. That game was circled. They're chanting MVP when DeMar DeRozan touches the ball. <laughs> He's in the MVP conversation. And Brooklyn came in there and said, nah, they're not ready. They're not, no, no, no. So big win. I think the Bulls have some work to do. It was a little disappointing. They got to shake that off. But give Brooklyn credit. They played well. They shot well. They got big contributions. Patty Mills had 20 off the bench. And, um, you know, we'll see what they're going to do and how they're going to implement this thing with Kyrie Irving because, you know, James Harden, I don't know if you saw the post-game interview, he must have mentioned Kyrie Irving. No, I, I didn't hear what he said. Four times. Yeah, he, he mentioned him three to four times and said, they're going to have to figure this thing out to get Kyrie to play at home, which yeah. to me sounded as if they want a more of a permanent solution than a solution to figuring out what else they can do. I think they've all been very supportive of them. But more importantly, Mo, I think it is clear to say this and be very definitive about this one. They are a better team with Kyrie on the floor. Yeah. And if they have any championship aspirations, it's going to start and stop with Kyrie Irving. Yeah, man. And I, I think the irony of Kyrie wanting to make a stand by not taking the vaccine and now becoming a stand for the rules don't apply if you're rich, if he is to play at the home games and the Nets do pay that fine. I think it would be pretty ironic. But as a fan of basketball, it'd be great to see him um, on the court and have that level of consistency. Because this is what I was saying the other day was, it's not so much consistency for Kyrie Irving that I'm worried about. It's for the role players who are either going to be in the starting lineup or coming off the bench. It's their level of consistency in terms of their rotations, their minutes, their rhythm, their flow that I would be more worried about. 
then because you know Kyrie Irving put him on anywhere on earth. He's going to do what Kyrie Irving does. Obviously, he struggled a little bit last night, but you know, you can't have a great game every night. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know the the fine the five grand fine for playing at home. I think there's like 20 home games left. We're at halfway through the season. There's like 20 home games left for the Nets. So you're paying a hundred grand. Like, come on, guys in the league could be fined more for, you know, technical fouls and going at referees and going at each other. So I don't know if I was owning the Brooklyn Nets, I'd pay that and not even think twice. I don't know how they feel about well, it. I think that's something. Yeah, I think it's something they have to figure out internally because, you know, Mo, that's a very sensitive topic. Yeah, and you start talking about, you know, and everyone has, you know, that's their choice. Um, yeah, I know what I think about it, but hey, who am I to say? However, you know, as I look at the game, though, Mo, I will say this: offensively, this is a, this is a championship caliber team. But I'm still concerned about the Nets on the defensive end. I'm still concerned whether Kyrie plays or not. I do not like. <laughs> the defensive look of this team. They're so good on the offensive end. They're just going to try to outscore you. They're going to outscore you. And I will say this, Mo, and I think I've said it to you before in our private conversations, but I don't think I've ever said this to you on air or said this or we discussed it on air. If the Nets win the championship this year, I think they will change the way the, the league will forever look in the future because this will be the first team where you can say offensively, that's the only way they can win. Because they're not going to get a stop. It's not like this team is going to stop anyone. <laughs> no. Now, in all good teams or all teams that have won a championship, they've all been good defensive teams for the most part. This one, I'm not sure what this is. But we do know they're capable of putting up 138, 140 points, and those guys didn't even play in the fourth quarter. Yep, say they were guys, on the bench. Top guys. Those t- big three were on the bench, having the a bench. laugh, having a joke. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They scored 138 points, and they didn't even play in the fourth quarter. I think this team, if they win it, Mike D'Antoni will finally be <laughs> celebrating and saying, I told you guys you, you can win playing this style of basketball. Yeah, I mean – it's not like the Bulls played great defense last night either. They were missing, you know, Alex Caruso, who's a big part of their perimeter defense. Derek Jones Jr. obviously got injured very early on, so big, uh, big yeah. wishes well, to him. Uh, to get Alex well Caruso is very is a very good defensive player. However, yeah. I don't see him stopping James Harden, Kevin Durant, or Kyrie Irving. Now, I don't see that one. I don't hmm. care how good you are. Kevin Durant is not going to be stopped. Now, it's interesting because I thought a game like last night would give Nikola Vucevic a chance to really dominate on the inside. Yes, because, yeah, I agree. You know, I they agree. were playing Dayron Sharp at the center position. They were playing, you know, so they've got a lot of guys out. They had no Aldridge. They had no Blake Griffin. They were playing Kessler. No, no, Edwards Blake played. Blake, Blake, Blake played last night. Yeah, Blake, Blake played. played last oh, my bad, my yeah. bad. I mean Millsap. Yeah, yeah. Millsap, yeah, not Blake, Blake played Griffin. last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. thinking Millsap all these Millsap. older guys, all these older guys. Yeah, Blake, and they had, Blake uh, had about nine points last night. And they had no Nick Claxton as well. So yes. they didn't really have right. their main interior guys. I thought this would be the game. Vucevic, who's been on a good run of form recently, could really assert his authority on the inside and, you know, do what he does best. But... He came away with, I just think, 14. Um, yep. yep. 
you know, he went what five from 13 from the field. I don't know. I thought, you know, the, the beauty of the Bulls lineup is they have so much versatility and how they can score the basketball. I would have liked to have seen more of that interior presence from the big Vucci main up on the inside. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it is still amazing to be seen. We're halfway through the season. I'm excited for the rest of the season. We've got All-Star Weekend coming up. BJ, your predictions at the very start of the year, you had the Milwaukee Bucks coming out of the East and the Phoenix Suns coming out of the West. Mm, well, How do you feel? How do you feel about those predictions? Are you sticking by your guns or are you going to change them up? I'm sticking by it. Mo, I, I, I like what I'm seeing from the Phoenix Suns. They've been very consistent. And they don't get enough, they don't get enough attention. No, they, they don't. But you know what? I, I've said it at the beginning. You know, they're currently in first place, a game or so ahead of the Warriors. And they've been very consistent and they've been very methodical about what they're doing. And I thought they improved their bench by acquiring JaVale McGee. Mm -hmm. They keep acquiring bigs because they are preparing to make a deep run in the playoffs. They get, they just picked up Bismack Biombo, which to me is signifies that they are really preparing to make a deep run. Yep. Because you know, when you get in further in the playoffs, you, you have to rim protect. You have to have big bodies. And you're going to have to guard a great player. And that great player is probably going to be, you know, you know, a, a, another big, you know, you, you, you're going to, you talk about, you know, all these great bigs now that are playing like. Um, um, well, well, the, the uh, biggest in, in, in Milwaukee, what's my guy, Giannis. Uh, you know, Giannis, yes. The biggest thing for me is if they had these guys last season, they could have won the finals because the biggest problem for, yes. the, for the Suns was whenever Aiton went off the court, or yeah, even when Aiton was on the court, because he's still quite young in this league and still finding his feet, they had no rim protection. So I think they've definitely looked at that before making these two signings because that's something I definitely right. highlighted no, last season they, because they, they had nothing. The Saric was injured. Frank Kaminsky ain't stopping anything at the yeah, rim. No, no, they no. needed... Frank the Tank, <laughs> with, with all due respect, Frank the Tank. But they needed some rim protection, especially if they're going to go up against a player like Nikola Jokic, if they're going to go up against a player like Yanis Antetokounmpo, these big-body seven-foot players. They need yep. big bodies to put on them. So I like the changes Absolutely. that they made. I, I like what they're doing. I think they're adding depth. They are very, you know, I love the system in which they play. They have a star. I mean, this kid, Devin Booker, I mean, he's... I mean, I watched him the other night up in Toronto. He's just, even though he didn't play well, he didn't shoot well, he just makes timely shots now No, his team. No, I have an issue with this. Did you see him in Toronto complaining? Bear in mind, there was no fans in the arena. Oh, yeah, yeah, Complaining about a mascot behind the stands. Come on, man, you played in Kentucky. You're telling me that one little mascot is distracting you? That's just... I thought that was corny as hell. I'm okay. I'm okay. No, I didn't think it was corny because of the following. There's no fans in the building. Exactly. If there's fans in the building, the the fans add the depth and the background. Mm. You got this big mascot Mm -hmm. in the middle. In the okay, like in the aisle. He's in the middle of the stands. Yeah. Come on. Come on. He made right behind the basket. He made the shot. I don't know why he was complaining for. I, I definitely, I definitely get it. I definitely get it. 
because yeah. you wouldn't normally be there and, and you don't have the fans. So I get it. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a thing. I get it. You got, when the fans are there, that's one thing. When you're just sitting there and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, this guy, this mascot could have been anywhere in the arena. He's right there. Home call advantage. Come on. I'm here come for on. it. No, I'm come here on. for it. Yeah. I'm, I'm on, not Mo. here, come man. On. Come on. Come on. Come on. I'm not here. Come on, it. Mo. Come on. You think you, you, you think you think Kobe would have been complaining about a mascot in the stands? Come on. Everyone wants to make these these comparisons about Devin Booker and all this be legendary. And... Who's making who's who's making comparisons? Everyone. Remember Ooh. the fight. Remember the finals. Ooh. How much of a big deal Ooh. everyone made about who's this? Who's making a co- who's making a comparison? Everyone. Who? Come on, Mo. Come on. You don't really? remember. The, you don't remember what people were saying during the finals last year. You, Mo, you don't remember. I, I, Mo, listen, listen. You can compare, and people can say what they want. There's no comparison there. Facts. Okay. Facts. So who? So who is comparing? Everyone was comparing them. No, 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 Every, no. Think Mo. about no, 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 no. We Mo, covered the finals together. We covered the finals together. Yes, we did. How many times did you hear people say, "Ah, oh, he's 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 trying to be the next Kobe Bryant," or you know, he's trying to play like Kobe Bryant, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. Stop mentioning those two in the same sentence. Mo, okay, okay. Let let let's get something for our listeners here. When someone. When someone utilizes footwork and fundamentals, you can't just associate fundamentals with the late great Kobe Bryant. I, I'm Michael not Michael Jordan. Yes. So anytime a player uses fundamentals, we're going to say he's imitating this player. No way. A reverse pivot is a reverse pivot. A pull up <laughs> is a pull up. Mo, that hasn't changed. Like, what's he doing fundamentally that the other ones didn't do? Oh, the other ones aren't playing with fundamentals. Is that what you're saying? Okay, say that. But don't tell me because those players mastered the fundamentals of the game. And they mastered the fundamentals, and they wouldn't let a mascot. And when I and I went out and when I watched Devin Booker, Devin Booker is a fundamentally sound player. His footwork is a beautiful thing to watch. He squares himself up. He, he utilizes every fundamental thing you can use as a player. If you just want to know the fun, just watch him now. But if you watch him, you're going to see Kobe Bryant. You're going to see Michael Jordan. You're going to see Larry Bird. You're, you're going to see all of the fundamental players utilize the same exact thing. That's a fact. So when people start saying that, what they're probably saying is they probably never watched the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. what they're really saying. Because Devin Booker is his fundamental base. You watch him. He squares it up every single time he shoots the ball. It's really a beautiful thing. I like watching Booker play. And, I like watching, him, is, watching like, him score the basketball. So, so now there's a move now that you see a lot of players do this one legged step back now, like Dirk Nowinski. Mm. The one thing people didn't watch about Dirk Nowinski, if you watched him early in his career, fundamentally speaking, he, he was squaring up to that basket 
every single time. It's only when he got older and he couldn't go around you anymore that he began to look for space. And his space, unlike some other players, all great players, they're looking for space to operate. He, he started doing the one-legged. Michael Jordan, earlier in his career, guys, believe it or not, never faded away. Because he didn't have to. <laughs> In an elevation. But 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 then now the fadeaway is a move now. Yeah. But earlier in his career, he didn't turn down or fade away from nothing. So great players always find space. This is why I love talking about Steph Curry, because Steph Curry was looking for space. And his space was just out in three-point land where no one else was at. No one... It's not that no one didn't think to go out there. No one's has shot as consistently out there as he has. Yeah. But we could talk about that all day. Yeah, man. I mean, I just I just think it's interesting. You know, older generations, they had Magic and Bird going head-to-head. And when I was growing up, we had LeBron and Kobe going head-to-head. And now kids growing up, they've got Devin Booker and the Toronto Raptors mascot going head-to-head. So that's been a wrap for this week. <laughs> this, today's episode, I said this week's episode. Today's episode, we're going to be back tomorrow, keeping you updated with everything that happens around the league. Hit us up with some feedback. What do you guys want to hear us talk about? Do you enjoy the nightly updates? Do you want to hear us go deeper on any topics? Keep sending your questions in. We'll get to them. But, BJ, tonight, the Bucks and the Warriors. I know there's no Draymond, but the Bucks and the Warriors. It's still exciting. Mm. Steph and Giannis mm. going head to head. Then what could mm. be what could be a little trap game? We, we, we talked about the trap games before. Potentially, it could go one of two ways. The Nets could blow out the OKC Thunder, or the Nets, after a big win against the Eastern Conference leaders last night, could take their foot off the gas a little bit. They're at home, no Kyrie. OKC Conference Town, a young, scrappy team with play with the bucket, load of confidence, even though they might not win a lot of games. And of course, also tonight, the Minnesota Timberwolves, who've actually been surprisingly better than expected this season, face your favorite team right now, the Memphis Grizzlies. Ooh, and let me just highlight get highlights. Highlights. Let me just hit highlights. you. With, let me just hit you with some some stats. Since Thanksgiving, the Memphis Grizzlies, number one in defensive rating, number one in win percentage, number one in net rating, number one in rebounds, number one in steals, number one in blocks. They have twenty wins. All other teams, the best team after that has fifteen wins in that same time span. So just keep an eye out. We'll be back tomorrow. Stay locked in. And most importantly, unlike the Lakers today, get buckets.